Well, again, thanks for being here this morning, and uh, it's a beautiful day, and uh, to take the time that you would come and be in church rather than outside is a special thing, and the Lord honors that, and He, he appreciates that too, and uh, so I'm just glad you're here. You know, this morning we were honored and surprised um, by a, a, just a real special presentation and breakfast in, at Sunday school this morning. Calvin uh, called me yesterday and uh, said he had, the Lord had given him a word on Friday night and he wanted to make breakfast and, uh, for the uh, Sunday school class. So he made pancakes and eggs and uh, some ham and it was awesome. And then he gave a great illustration about what it is to be the bride of Christ. And uh, so I just encourage those others that you never know what's going to happen here. So you just got to show up week to week. I, I can't, I wish I could plan all those things, but we can't, can we, Calvin? Can we? No, when the Lord gives the word, he gives the word, and we just got to give it. So he did a great job. I want to speak this morning on a topic that I think we all can use to hear, or we can all gain from something from this, because I think we need to know how God sees us. I think we need to recognize more in our life how God looks at us. Even though we're saved and we're forgiven, we often, I don't believe, really recognize how Jesus and how God and how the Holy Spirit looks at us. We often say that God loves us and that God is for us. And we say all those things about God being a good, good father and all those things are true. But I wonder if we really can comprehend what it means. Do we really know, do we really take it to heart what it means when we say that God loves us? Because I think if we really understood it, if we really could comprehend the way God looks at us, I think it would change our behavior a little bit. I think it would change the way we would look at ourselves a little bit. And by not recognizing how God looks at us and that authority that, that gives us, we often forfeit the goodness of God's grace to us. And we give the enemy more power than what he really has because we give up so much. We give up so many times. Rather than seeing what God sees for us, we give it up and we allow the enemy to really have more of a, of a, of a way with us. Last week, we, we talked about three major strategies or tactics that the enemy has honed and practiced for thousands of years on billions of people to use on you and I today. And those three tactics are, well, number one, he wants to break the communication and the relationship between us and God. He wants to break the communication. If he can break down the lines of communication, then he can have a great opportunity to get into our lives and to destroy us, just like a physical army will try to break the lines of communication from the front lines of the battle to the battle headquarters where they can strategize better. That's number one, breaking communication. Number two is that he brings an attack on our personal integrity and our character, trying to convince us that we've already lost the battle. He tries to intimidate us with how big he is and how little we are and how big the problems of life are and how little we are. And he tries to play the mind games with us that already convinces us that we've lost. Therefore, why even try? Because he brings in that level of intimidation and, he, and with that he brings in a sense of doom and hopelessness. And when hopelessness settles into a person's life, He's really lost all of life. Hopelessness is a, is a terrible thing. Then the third tactic that he brings is that he tries to destroy relationships between godly men. 
He tries to break the relationship that I have with you and you have with me and you have with those sitting next to you in this church and other godly people and in families. And he will bring division and confusion and all kinds of other things amongst believers to try to get us to focus on ourselves rather than focus on, number one, God, and then, number two, on Satan. Because if he can convince me that you're my enemy and, and I'm your enemy, then we're focusing on each other and we're forgetting about Satan. We're forgetting about what he's really doing in the background because we're fo- too busy focusing on us and we don't recognize who our true enemy is. Our true enemy is not each other. We, we do not battle flesh and blood, but it's the, it's the powers of the dark world. It's the enemy. It's the devil. It's Satan is our true enemy. And so he tries to break our communications, he tries to attack us personally, and he tries to destroy relationships with, and mainly through offense. Uh, being offended and, being offend, and having an offense against other people is one of the prime strategies. We talked about this for a number of weeks prior to. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message, and it might help you in some area, areas in, our, in your struggle. And recognizing who we battle and why we battle them helps us understand what our purpose is. Today... I want to focus on and, and, and discuss the thinking that Christ has for us. Well, how does God look at us? How does he see us? And how, what is our position in the heavenlies with him? And as we do that, I, I pray that we will be able to understand better our position in the warfare that we are in because we are in warfare, but we need to, as we see ourselves as being the victors, It'll help us so much. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to, we're going to go to the, very, to the very beginning and recognize that God was a part and is a part of your life from the very beginning of who you are. Isaiah 43, 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. From the very beginning, he formed you, and he knows your name, and he says, you are mine. So, Mr. Devil, how are you going to deal with that one? I am known by God, he knows my name, and he's formed me. Can there be any better feeling in the world than to know that God knows you? Think of this. Just think about this. For, put everything out of your mind for one second. The God who spoke the universe in place knows Michael Fairbairn, Calvin, Lawrence, Robin. He knows you. Not only that, but he, he formed you. What does it mean to be formed? Well, the Hebrew word for formed gives a very personal meaning in what it means to be formed to be, by God was to be shaped, fashioned, created with a s- specific function in mind in a way that recognizes God as a skilled workman created and formed you just the way you are. He formed you. God spoke creation into existence. But he formed man. He didn't just speak man into existence. No, he formed man out of the dust. With his own hands, he went down and out of the dust, he formed Adam and Eve, or Adam, and he formed him as the way he wanted him. And then he bent down and he breathed life into his nostrils. So God gave man an intentional 
relationship that he gave no other thing in his creation. Everything else, he just spoke it. Man, he formed it. And he breathed into it. All with the result of relationship. Because God wants a relationship with you and I. He doesn't want your religion. He wants your relationship. It's a big difference between the two. As big as you can imagine between religion and relationship. And he wants that. Now, what if you don't feel that this morning? What, if it, what happens if you don't feel that this morning? Because sometimes we don't always feel the fact that God wants to have a relationship with us, do we? But we need to recognize that God's focus on his children is that he is, a, he is continually forming us into the potential, into the potential that he has formed us to be. He's making us because he's created us all with great potential, huge potential. Maybe I'm not living up to my potential today. Maybe you're not living up to yours. Maybe we've fallen in some areas. But recognize that God never gives up on you. He never gives up, even in all your failures, even in all your weaknesses. God loves you too much to, to leave you or to allow you to feel abandoned in your half-formed state. He's got a potential. He's got a plan. He has a very intentional purpose that he's working out on you on a daily basis, and he never tires of it. He never gets tired of working you into the what he wants you to be. Do you know that? We don't wear his patience thin like we might wear each other's patience thin. Very patient, very persistent, very intentional, very purposeful. He has a plan for you, and he's not given up on you, even if maybe you've given up on him in some areas of your life. Maybe you haven't been living for God like you should be. God still loves you. He still has a plan for you. He's not given up. God's grace and his mercy are far more powerful than your weaknesses. God's grace and his mercy are far more powerful than your weaknesses. Just never forget that. James McDonald says this about our identity in Christ. When it comes to your identity, the critical issue isn't what you think about yourself because you can't be trusted. As Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Ultimately, the only thing that matters is what God thinks of you. So the question is, do you really know what God thinks of you? Do you really understand it? Do you really know? Do you really have a clue? Do you really grasp how God thinks of you? Too many times we measure ourselves by what others think of us. But what your parents think think of you, what your spouse thinks of you, what your boss or your friends, or, or we even measure ourselves by our performance. And most importantly, we most of the time measure ourselves by the way we feel. Our feelings are so fickle. Our feelings come and go uh, moment by moment. I can feel really good about something and in a heartbeat. Something happens. Somebody says something. I remember something. Something flashes through my mind and all of a sudden my feelings just totally leave me and all of a, that great feeling I had all of a sudden, all of a sudden just goes away. 
So we really can't measure ourselves by our feelings. Very dangerous. See, because that, the dangerous part of that is that some people struggle very much with negative feelings, even to the point of hurting themselves. A depression sinks in, and they get to the point where they say, I'm hopeless. That's tactic number two the devil gave us last week. I'm, it's hopeless. It's not worth it. I can't do it anymore, so I give up. He takes the bottle of pills or the handgun or the whatever takes his life. And we know how that happens. It's sad. That's not the way God's seeing you. I want you to know that. It's not what God's seeing. The other side of it can be maybe not so dangerous, but just as much a, a potential hindrance to us, and that is that we think too much of ourselves. I am awesome. Man, I, I, I'm really good. I, I can really sing, or I can really preach, or I can really make a lot of money, or I can do this and I can do that, and, and, and I'm invincible. Wow. Well, I think that what we have to do is we need to find out how God sees us. Stop measuring yourself by what other people think. Stop measuring yourself about how you perform. Stop measuring yourself about all the things, about, uh, about how you look. You've heard the sayings, you know, about how we, we, we can say the things, about how, you know, beauty is only skin deep, all these things. And, and we can think about uh, how God looks at our hearts, but man sees the actions. And we see all these things. We really need to recognize and understand the question is, how does God see me? How do I really see myself? Do I really believe that I'm as good as what God says I am and I'm not as good as I think I am? <laughs> I, we need to find that balance. How do we do this? Well, we do it by going to the Word. And it's important that we do this because as I know how I look by God, it does impact how I act in this world. It does impact how I feel in this world. When I have God's perception of me, I really can live in peace. I really can live in contentment. I'm not, I don't have to be chasing the, the material things of this world when I see the way that God sees me. I don't have to worry about other things that maybe I don't have as much as somebody else. I don't have to worry about that. Because when I'm trying to measure myself, when I try to uh, go beyond what I should be doing to measure myself, that's when I get frustrated. It's when I get discontent. And that's when frustration and all kinds of negative emotions and feelings set in. So we really need to know how God looks at us. So let's look at Scripture for a while. Let's see what God thinks about us. First of all, if you are a born-again, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled Christian, meaning that the Holy Spirit lives in you at the moment of salvation, meaning that, that, the, that you really believe that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, if you've truly repented of your sins, all right, I'm speaking to those here this morning that have that experience, recognize now that, number one, you are forgiven of your sins. Number one, I am forgiven of all my sins. Ephesians 1, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions or our sins from us. Hebrews 10, 17 and 18, then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. 
See, we need to recognize that when I come to Christ fully and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. You need to know you're forgiven. You need to know you are forgiven. And you don't have the past any longer holding you back. Your chains are broken. So many times we're Christian people that want to drag our chains with us. That's the devil's workmanship. The devil loves to play games with us. Don't listen to that liar. You are forgiven. Once you have confessed your sins and repented of them, it, those sins no longer live in you. You must realize that sin is no longer the controller of your life. God sees you totally different now as a believer than what he did before you accepted him. Sees you totally different. You are a child of God. Number two, I am a joint heir with Christ. I am a joint heir. It means I'm a brother. It means I'm an adopted brother of Jesus. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. Recognize who you are. You are a brother of Christ. You are a child of God. Amen? Amen. That's a great thing. That's when we can recognize that we are no longer slaves to this world. We are no longer bound to this world. We are freed. We are co-heirs. It means I'm going to have, I'm going to have the inheritance of heaven just like Jesus has the inheritance of heaven. I'm going to have that. As a co-heir, I'm given the same rights as a natural born child. Adoptive children are not adopted children. They are children of the father and the mother. They are children, and that's who we are in Christ. We're a child of God. We're created. Remember, we're formed in his image like none other of his creation. As much as you love your dog, Calvin, he's not an image of God. Dino's an amazing dog, I got to tell you. But you're more amazing than Dino because you're created in the image of God and you're created with the relationship to have with God like nothing else is designed or created to have. And that should give us joy. That should give us peace. That should give us fulfillment to recognize that as a believer in Christ, I am a child of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Second, then thirdly, I am a new creation in Christ. Jesus sees you now, God sees you now as a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ Here's the, here's the amazing part. Not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins against them. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. 
2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness of God. That's who you are. That's who I am. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I am more than a conqueror. Romans chapter 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, think of, you, think of yourself as a conqueror. Think of yourself as standing on top of the piles of rubble in your life. Those things that give you a heartache, stand on top of them and say, I am more than a conqueror. I conquered this and I am in Jesus Christ. I am a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Romans 8.37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. My life isn't a matter anymore of what I can't do. It's a matter of who I am in Christ. And I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Man, if I can get this into my soul, if I can let this just seep into my spirit that there's nothing that, that can't, there's nothing the enemy can bring at me that can conquer me. If I can really get this, no matter what the enemy's strategies are, no matter what he's got against me, my spirit is going to live. My spirit is going to live on high and I will not be bound up. But if I can recognize my authority over every situation, man, I am a child of God. I am free. I am a new creation. I am a more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 I am not saying this because I'm in, I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be, have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says here some very important things because Paul is making a very good distinction here in, in the difference between what it means to do things in Christ Jesus. He's explaining to me what it means that I can do all things in Christ Jesus. First, he recognizes that there's a difference between a true need and a, and a want. My wants are different. When I'm needing something, I know that God's going to be there. Secondly, he recognizes the importance of learning to be content in all situations, whether in great wealth or in great need. I'm content in all situations because I know my real needs are going to be met. My real needs are going to be met. Therefore, I'm content because I can do all the things. And then he says, I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. And, and what this means is we need to recognize the balance of what it means to have true trust in God. The balance between God, I, I recognize that maybe my wants may not be met. How does that make you feel if your wants aren't met? Do we get, dis do we dis do we get disgruntled sometimes? Yeah, I think we do. I think we need to be honest with ourselves. We do. But we need to recognize, though, that our wants, if I had all my wants met, it may not be best for me. Right? I mean, come on. If I had everything I wanted, can I trust myself with that? I mean, James McDonald said it earlier that we can't trust the heart. We can't trust ourselves. Thank the Lord that he knows my needs more than my wants, and he knows that I need to have my needs met, but he knows that my wants might cause me problems. Therefore, don't worry about the wants. Just celebrate the needs and celebrate that he's accomplished every need that he has and he hasn't left us wanting in any need that we have in our life. 
By saying I can do all things in Christ, it doesn't turn me into Superman. I'm not a superhero. To say I can do all things through Christ doesn't mean I can clear up leaping, I can run like Superman and fly, and I can be like Spider-Man and, and Batman. No, we're not talking superheroes. But we're talking about people that know who they are in Christ and that I can be content in all things because there are going to be th- things coming in your life that aren't going to be so good. And I want you to know that because if I, if I leave you leaving today thinking that everything's going to be grand and, and, and rosy, it, you walk out of here and they're not, you're going to think that I lied to you. I, I'm not lying to you. What I'm saying is that by doing all things in Christ, what that means is he meets all your needs and he will come to you in your needs and he will allow you to get through life's situations victoriously as a conqueror in this life, recognizing there's more to come. There's more to come. It's not all about what I get in my hands today. It's what I have to hold on forever in heaven and eternity. And that's what it's all about. That gives me the ability to say these things. And as I start to recognize now who I am in Christ and start to recognize things, what's going to happen is my mind, I'm going to have some progressive changes in my mind. I'm going to be thinking differently about some things. As I continue to identify how God sees me and how you, God sees you, you will find a, a change in your attitude and a desire of earthly things versus heavenly things. Something changes within us, and so we, our cries are different. We're, our desires are different. We're more concerned about what God wants me to do than how I feel about what I have. When I can start to see the way, me the way God sees me, it changes my desires. It changes my wants. See, i got to believe that if I'm still struggling in the area of, I really want that new car. I really want that big house. I really want that next job promotion. I'm not seeing anything wrong with that. But if I'm really struggling with that, and if I'm not contented or fulfilled until I get that, I'm wondering truly, is my heart set on heavenly things or is my heart set on earthly things? Where's my heart? And I'm not seeing anything bad about nice things. I'm not doing that. But see, but if my heart is longing for this more than longing for heaven, then it has to be a good indicator to me like, man, I better do some soul searching here. I I better evaluate myself a little bit more and see really what is my true desire? Who's measuring me and how am I being measured anymore? It, It starts to change us. And as I start to allow my life to be changed, As I start to allow my life to be changed, now I'm going to see some other things in Scripture that are going to come up, that are going to help me. Because now I'm going to see that I am am firmly rooted, built up, and established in my faith, and I'm overflowing with gratitude. I'm not looking at God as the genie in the bottle anymore. I'm not looking at him to fulfill my instant gratification needs. No, what I'm trying to see what i'm starting to see now is that when god sees me as who i am in christ and i start to see my relationship with him i now start to see how important it is that my relationship stay firmly grounded in god's word and i have this gratitude this overflowing thankfulness start to flow out of me colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 so then just as you receive christ jesus as lord it's so important as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Remember what lordship means? Lordship means ownership. 
Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Man, when I can really see that Jesus loves me so much and God loves me so much, now I can just start to overflow my life in Him and I, and I thank Him for the foundation. My foundation stone being that of Christ is firmly strengthened and I'm rooted in Him and I have a desire to learn more about Him and to gain more depth of understanding and I'm, my faith continues to be built up as I continue to learn more about Him, it builds up my faith and it builds up the fact that the appreciation and the thankfulness that He's chosen me. He's chosen you. He's chosen me. Before the foundation of the world, He chose you. And therefore, I, I, thankfulness and gratitude flows out of my life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, Peter talks about this. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. See, he's being honest here. Paul, Peter's being honest. The word's being truthful with you. You might have had to suffer some things here. But these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, as we uncover and understand God's intense love for us, that we will be able to express our gratitude back to him so that now living as a Christian life is not hard. It's not hard to be a Christian. It's not hard when it, becomes, when it becomes who I am. It's not hard because now it just flows out of me, out of gratitude and out of thankfulness. And then I find myself pressing on to the goal, to win the goal, the prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us heavenward. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and 14. Now that I've already attained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of what that for Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it because one thing I do, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Man, Paul knew it. Paul got it. He got it that he could forget the past, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He could forget it and he could press on to the future. And that's what we need to do. We need to know that. We need to put our eyes on Christ. Colossians 3.1, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Man, you know, this could go on and on and on. When we start reading scriptures about who I am in Christ, we could just we could talk for hours about this easily. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am not my own any longer. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I do not own myself any longer. I've given my ownership to Christ. First Corinthians chapter six, nineteen and twenty. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 
See, when I see this, when I see the intense sacrifice and the, and the intentional, purposeful love of my Father, why wouldn't I want to just give him up of myself? Why do, I want to, why do I want to claim ownership of this body anymore? I can see his love for me. I can see his intentional purpose for me. I can easily say, I'm yours. Do with me as you would. I'm yours. I give up my desires. I trust you completely with my desires. I don't have to own myself anymore. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have mercy. Amen. God, we are a holy generation. We are a priesthood set apart to do the things that God is choosing for us to do. Jackie, if you'd come up, we'll start to conclude this. But we've been predestined. We are, we are destined to do heavenly things and great things. So I'm not sure this morning how you see yourself and how you measure yourself, so to speak. But I want you to know that if you are a child of God, you are, you are a perfect creation with all the potential that God has intended for you, and it's all wrapped up in your control as you give it back to the Lord. It's up to you now. How do you see yourself based upon what God thinks of you? How are you looking at yourself? It may seem difficult, I know, because we see our faults and we see our failures. And believe me, the devil is right there to show them to us if we forget about them. But when I can see myself in the potential that God sees me, I'm not junk. I'm, you're not junk. You're not. God has created you purposeful with, an, with, a, with a, a mission and there's only one person in the world that can do your mission, and that's you, because God has a plan for you. God has not given up on you. He's not given up. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. <laughs> for you, put your name, for you are God's handiwork, created and formed by Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. He has created you. He's formed you to do good works that he's created in, in advance for you to do. He's got a plan. He's got a plan for you. Are you wanting that? Are you wanting to fulfill God's plan? It's not hard. It's not hard. Let me tell you right now, it's not hard. It just takes surrender. It just takes surrender and obedience. I tell you what, it's harder to live in this world. It's harder to live in this world and fake it as a Christian. <laughs> so if you're living in the world, faking it as a Christian, can I'm telling you right now, it'd be a lot easier if you just gave it up. <laughs> it'd be a lot easier if you just give in and say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm not playing the games anymore. Because when you're playing games, it's hard work. It's hard work to play a double life. It's just better to say, you know, Lord, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to surrender it to you. Those passions that I had, those desires, those habits, whatever it is, I I'm, I'm done. I'm just done giving up. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I need God's grace. 
And his grace says, I will forgive you and I will lift you up by that miry clay and I'll set your feet on a rock to stay and you will no longer have to fight that battle anymore because you've given it up and you've given him ownership of your life. So this morning, I want to do a couple things. I want to, first of all, I want to just give an opportunity for those that maybe haven't accepted Christ in their life today. I want to, add, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So would you pray with me? Would you close your eyes? Father, we just come in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we appreciate your conviction. One more time, we appreciate it. We feel your finger. We feel that intentional poke. And we say thank you for that. So this morning, if, if you want to accept Jesus in your life and surrender to him and so that you can, now to, so you can begin to see him the way he sees you differently this morning I just want to give you an opportunity just to raise your hand and say Father it's me Father it's me I need to see you I need a change in my life Amen Thank you Jesus Secondly maybe you've been struggling with your image and who you are in Christ. Can I, tell you, can I say this is a day for freedom? This is a day for freedom from your own evaluation and your own judgment and to begin to accept how God sees you. This morning, maybe there's some of us here that are struggling with that. If you're struggling with your acceptance of, Jesus, of how, you, how God sees you, would you just raise your hand again and just say, Father, I need some help here. Change my thoughts. Change me. Help me to see me the way you see me. Hmm. I'm doing something different today. Would you stand with me? Could I ask you all to come to the front? And could we just end the service this morning by praying together in the front? Because I just feel like there's more struggles going on here than what we're alluding to. And we just need to come up and just be before the Lord at His holy altar. Yeah, yeah. let's sing the song that Jackie's playing right now. And uh, let's just take a minute and let's just... Uh, Let's just worship him for a minute. We're no longer slaves. Amen. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my
to your family your blood flows through my veins I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child You know, I just, I'm sorry, Jackie. I, I just, I don't, I, I think there are some here this morning that don't believe that yet. You're just not believing that yet. And I just want to pray with you this morning. So I just know, I, I know in my heart that there are some struggling with this this morning. You need to know that if you've accepted Jesus in your life, that you are a child of God. And every, this song is perfect for you. It's perfect for you. We're going to sing it again. And, and if you're struggling with believing, would you just come up so we can pray with you and, and, and help you and, and free you in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's sing some more, Jack. And let us just enter in here.
from my mother's womb you have chosen me love has called my name I've been born again into your family your blood flows I just want to pray blessing over you today as you go throughout this week. I just want you to, to feel the Lord's pleasure on your heart, on your life. As you find things that come your way, if there are things that would come to you that would bring you concern, just tell the devil who you are. Stand on the word of God this morning, throughout this week. This is to go with us throughout this, this into our life from here on after. So, Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And I pray blessing on this church, on these people, on your children. And I pray, God, that you just go with them throughout their week and just continue to encourage them, build them up in their faith. Lord, that we would constantly know who we are, how you think of us. And we thank you for your mighty love and your graciousness in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Father.